Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott and Chilson Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-backed coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. Hey, did you know Bluff Country is located in Mondovi? And it's your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier. Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Wednesday morning at Wax. Good morning, Bob and Jill with you. Jill being a farmer's daughter on the air with us, of course. And we uh, look forward to talking uh, farm news today, Farm Progress Show. If you want to do some driving down in Boone, Iowa, the uh, Big Iowa Farm Show is going on. The Farm Progress Show, they call it. That's down in Boone, Iowa. Started yesterday, goes today and uh, tomorrow. And yesterday, Joe, we said we didn't have any fairs in the area, but we stand corrected. The big Ridgeland Fair is this weekend, right? Ridgeland Community Fair starts Friday and goes through Monday. All right. Looks like uh, awfully good weather for the Ridgeland Fair as well. Maybe. Now I see in the forecast maybe a chance of showers. We'll sort that out. But uh, other things uh, going on as well around the area. As uh, we get to the end of August, 1st of September, and that 1st of September date means uh, if you've got any young farmers, might want to give them a little recognition. You bet. The Outstanding Young Farmer nomination is due September 1st. And that is tomorrow. And, of course, the finals will be, uh, what, in January. They're always in January. Where are they going to be this year? Over in Manitowoc, I do believe. Yep, Manitowoc, the 25th and twenty through the 27th, I believe. All right. Of January. Double check that because I think it might be a little bit later. But uh, anyway, it's towards the end of January. But the big thing is get your nominations in because, uh, you know, a lot of good young farmers around here and they've raised the age too. So uh, that's important. Also, the uh, estimates of the crop how good a crop is it going to be? Well, Pro Farmer Crop Tour doesn't agree with the USDA's last estimates. We'll talk about the numbers they came up with. And these are. Pretty accurate numbers because they actually get out and walk the fields. And one question we always get, China. How much land does China own in the U.S.? We'll uh, give you some figures and facts on that as well. So uh, lots to talk about this morning as we take a look at some of our farm news and what's going on with food price inflation as well. And we'll also uh, hear this morning... From the uh, dean of the University of Wisconsin Vet School down in Madison, that's Dr. Mark Markle, 
about uh, what's going on down there. You know, there's a lot of expansion down there, but what about student numbers? What are they recruiting? And are they recruiting large animal vets or anybody who wants to go to vet school and you turn out 90% dog and cat vets and 10% large animal vets? What are about some of the things that are going on down there at the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine? Boy, I think of that school, Jill, and I think of... Uh, I was around here when they were debating whether or not we needed a vet school in Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think a vet school is so needed in Wisconsin. Oh, absolutely. Dr. Bernie Easterday, of course, was the uh, the lead man. He was uh, he was a veterinarian. He taught, you know, just taught vet science classes in the College of Ag and Life Sciences. And uh, then he became the first dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine. And on it has gone. And uh, quite a school it is. A lot of reputation. A lot of young people from around our area have gone through the University of Wisconsin Vet College. And so we'll get an update on that as well. So we got a busy morning. And it's a good morning to get up and Adam Shank of the day, baby. It looks pretty nice out there. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Once again, we continue with the weather forecast. It doesn't have much in it. I see now Mike Dandry over at Sky 113 says Friday, partly sunny. A chance of some showers, but that's it. And I'm not sure how widespread or how heavy them talk showers. Doesn't sound like it's going to be very heavy, but today... Sunny in 85 tomorrow, sunny in 87. It'll be 87 again on Friday. Cooling off a little bit over the weekend. Saturday and Sunday, only in the mid-70s, but it'll be sunny. Labor Day, partly sunny. It should be about 80. Oh, it sounds good, doesn't it? We're 60 right now. Toma, cool spot. 49 degrees down in Toma. Good sleeping down there. Pretty nice weather continues. Hey, it's 5 o'clock. This is 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. 60 degrees now, right now, 85 and sun today. Here's some news. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. President Biden is paying tribute to Mikhail Gorbachev after news of the former Soviet leader's death. Trey Thomas reports. In a statement Tuesday, Biden called him a man of remarkable vision. Gorbachev is credited with helping end the Cold War and played a key role in retooling relations with the U.S. I'm Trey Thomas. The Justice Department says prosecutors got a search warrant for former President Donald Trump's Florida home after receiving evidence of a likely effort to hide classified documents in defiance of a grand jury subpoena. The DOJ made that argument in a Tuesday night filing that is the government's most detailed account yet of its evidence of obstruction of justice. The 36-page filing is the DOJ's response to Trump's request for an independent third party, a so-called special master, to review documents and papers that FBI agents seized when they executed a search warrant earlier this month. Trump has until Wednesday evening to respond to the government's filing. More interest rate hikes are likely coming until inflation is under control. Lisa Taylor fills us in. That's the message New York Federal Reserve President John Williams delivered while speaking to the Wall Street Journal. The Fed has been aggressively raising rates over the past few months in order to tame inflation. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warned last week that bringing down inflation will be painful. I'm Lisa Taylor. 
And China says the U.S. must dispel what it calls the negative influence of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan before it will resume climate talks with Washington. Beijing's hardline statement came in response to climate change special envoy John Kerry's outreach Tuesday to Chinese President Xi Jinping to resume discussions. China broke off talks after Pelosi visited Taiwan in early August. Beijing claims democratically governed Taiwan as part of China, even though it's never had a presence on the island. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Once again, some pretty nice weather coming into Labor Day weekend. Tomorrow, of course, is September, but for this last day of August, 85 and sun. Down to about 57 tonight. Tomorrow, sun and 87, and Friday, about 87, partly sunny. A chance of some scattered showers, it looks like. And again, we'll get more on that later on. Saturday and Sunday, Labor Day weekend, sunny. Mid-70s. Monday, Labor Day, partly sunny, 80. Tuesday, sun, 83. Right now, cool spot, Toma, down that area, 49 degrees. Rice Lakes, 58. Medford, 57. Marshville, also at 57. Wausau and La Crosse at 62. Green Bay, Madison, Sun Prairie at 61. Milwaukee at 64 this morning. And here in Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, In the heart of the Chippewa Valley, 60 degrees right now. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's take a look at some more numbers as the markets come up. Rural Mutual Insurance bringing us those numbers and Jill Cash Livestock. Choice fed beef steers are 136 to 148 with mixed at 120 to 135. Choice fed beef heifers are 137 to 147 with mixed at 119 to 136. Choice fed Holstein steers are 132 to 140 with select and silage fed 90 to 130. Cows are 74 to 96 with bulls at 80 to 105. Butcher hogs are 85 to 109 with sows at 66 to 72 and a half. Boars are 15 to 26 and a half. New crop market lambs are 96 to 110. Feeder lambs are 130 to $2. Ewes are 45 to 120. Small goats are 25 to 110 dollars medium goats are 140 to 265 dollars large goats are 50 to 325 dollars and nanny goats are 55 to 295 dollars at the mercantile exchange livestock futures higher across the board yesterday october live cattle 143.82 that was up 92 december cattle 149.80 up 87 and february at 154.35 up 70 feeder cattle september 182.17 182.17 up 225. October up 220, closing at 183.27. November feeders 184.70 up a dollar 80. January 185.50 up a dollar and a half. And March feeder cattle 187.50 up a dollar 60. Lean hog carcass contracts October closed 93.60 up 135. December at 85.50 up 90. February 88.62 up 70. And April at 
That was up 72. On the Board of Trade, under some pressure yesterday with these fears of recession. Also, China's weakening economy as the prices were under pressure and under pressure again overnight as December corn, three to four cents lower overnight. December contract, 673 a bushel this morning. December oats down three to four cents, 394. December wheat sitting at 821 this morning. November soybeans, 1425. That's down seven cents. And meal down $3.20 a ton on the October contract, $426.60. Dairy markets also under pressure. Barrel cheese down a penny at one eighty-five. Blocks up three and a half cents at one seventy-five. Butter down three and a quarter at three oh five a pound. The August class three down a penny at twenty twelve. Uh, I think we'll get the uh, August class three official for the month later on today. September class three down a dime at nineteen seventy nine. October down thirty one at twenty ten. November down seventeen at twenty one dollars even. December also down seventeen at twenty one sixteen as prices, Class 3, were lower out through next summer. Coming up on 10 minutes after 5 o'clock, what's Brad Manson think of how the crops are looking? We're going to find out what he's got to tell us next on our Provision Partners Program. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's time for our Parole Vision Partners update. I've got Brad Matson. He's the lead agronomist at Provision Partners. Last week, we talked about the rain we needed to finish up those crops. How did we do over the weekend? Well, we did uh, pretty darn good. We should have talked about rain a lot sooner in the season, Phil, um, because if that's all it took to get it, uh, it was miracle rain. We got, weren't forecasting a whole lot, uh, but a lot of areas have been hearing three-plus inches of rain around. So, And looking at our soil probes that we have out for some of our customers, uh, that recharged all the way down to 34 inches deep in the soil profile. So we're sitting pretty darn good now. Um, one more rain probably before harvest, and uh, this crop will be in the bags for this year. This is also taking care of a lot of our insect problems. We were, having, we were starting to spray for some uh, spider mites and Japanese beetles, and uh, that rain has really helped knock those populations back. So uh, giving some our producers some uh, a little extra growth here, and they're forced cutting alfalfa. So, like I said, it was a million-dollar rain that uh, helped out a lot of us here this fall. And with that rain, it really did help in finishing up the crop. Yep. We're already getting here close to September 1st, and, and uh, hard to believe, but we're already starting to think about what we need to do for next year and, and uh, looking over some of our records. And uh, This is a perfect time to start looking at your crop what's what you see right about it the questions you have start formulating some things what do i need to do better for next year and uh with all these variables that we have with input prices those types of things it's going to be uh crucial to make some of the best decisions you can for this upcoming crop that's we're going to be planting here in just a few months again and along with planning ahead i've been doing a little bit of reading about some fertilizer and i see that the prices are coming down some what is your suggestion for you know, booking that stuff out. There's really no direction at this point in time. Um, you know, we're seeing a little softening, 
but we're not seeing the softening that I'd like to see back to, you know, last fall's levels. We're still significantly higher above that. So it's going to be crucial is, is uh, how do I manage the amount that I use and, and that. And one of the things we've done, we do a lot of tissue testing during the, during the summer. And what we've been seeing is uh, certain nutrients we're lacking on. And uh, I think about 65% of the tissue tests that we came back in were short on potash and we're about 40% short on calcium or magnesium and uh, about 45% short on, on zinc. So, you know, keying in on the, on where the holes in your fertility problem are going to be as crucial as what even the price is. Um, I like to say it's now's a great time to book it, but I, it's really a toss-up of the coin. This thing can go, I can give you a good bunch of reasons it can go either direction, but understanding the management and, and how to manage these input prices coming into the fall to get the best return on your dollar is going to be really, really critical, regardless of where this market moves in the fertilizer here in the next few months. And really, tissue testing is really a management tool that more farmers are using? Oh, absolutely, because it's telling us real-time what's actually what the plant is taking up, because that's giving us an indication of whether the we have enough fertility there or is the fertility locked up and the plants can't get it, so then we can start formulating a plan on how to best get the nutrients into the plant and because uh, it's not necessarily sometimes how much nutrients we put out there but it's what the end game is is what we get in the plant and that's what harvest is all about harvest is our report card is is telling us how good we did on all aspects of crop production this year and uh, understanding that and knowing and making the right corrections the right adjustments is going to be key into pushing your yield and pushing your profitability to your meet your end goals Brad Matson, of course, lead agronomist with Provision Partners Cooperative, along with Jill this morning, on our Provisions Partners Cooperative. And again, you need uh, that agronomy advice, give Brad or the gang over in central Wisconsin a call, too. Provision Partners. Hey, it's 60 degrees, sun, 85 today. Brad was talking about the crops. How do they look? We'll find about it next. Find out about that next as we take a look at some farm news on Wax. Brought to you by Chili Implement in Chile. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 16 minutes after 5 o'clock, 60 degrees right now, unless you're down at Toma. It's about 49 down Toma, Black River Falls country. It's cool down there as it usually is. Well, they walked the crops, they walked the fields, and they came up with some numbers. Jill, give us an update. The annual Pro Farmer Crop Tour wrapped up last week with those crop scouts, with those crop scouts thinking that those yields aren't going to be as big as the USDA forecasted earlier this month. More than 100 crop scouts walked almost 3,400 corn and soybean fields in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. South Dakota, Nebraska, and Minnesota to get their estimates. When they finished, their numbers show the corn crop this year will be 13.759 billion bushels on yields, averaging just over 168 bushels an acre. Their figures also show they don't expect any of the major corn-producing states to average over 200 bushels an acre. Getting the closest, they say, will be Illinois and Iowa with averages of 198 bushels an acre. For soybeans, the Crop Scouts came up with a crop yield of 4.535 billion bushels on per acre, yields averaging 51.7 bushels. 
the biggest bean yields, like corn, will be in Illinois at 64 bushels an acre and Iowa at 60. The poorest crops of those surveyed are in South Dakota, where corn yields are only expected to average 122 bushels and soybeans just 41 bushels an acre. And with the uncertainty of our relationship with other countries, many people are concerned about our food production system. Who owns American, American farmland? One of the biggest questions being asked is how much of our farmland does China own? According to numbers made available through our Agricultural Foreign Investment Disclosure Act of 1978, the answer is not much. In total, foreigners own less than 3% of our farmland, with Canadians owning the biggest share of, with one-third of the total. Owners from the Netherlands, Italy, Germany, and the United Kingdom own another third. Chinese interest owns just five-tenths of a percent of U.S. farmland and less than 1% of total U.S. land holdings. Now, the Chinese do own companies, Smithfield, which is a major packing company, is owned by China. So China does have investment in agricultural interests in the United States. No question about that. And they'd like to get their fingers into more. We know that, too. But as far as what they actually own in farmland, not much. And uh, hopefully we'll keep it that way. 19 minutes after 5 o'clock, what about the vet school here at the University of Wisconsin in Madison? What's going on with that? We'll find out as our Pam Yonke had a chance to get over to the school and talk to Dr. Mark Markle, who is the dean of the UW Vet School. So we'll hear all about that next right here on Wax. But let's find out what's going on with the soybeans. Agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Demand for slots in various schools and our colleges vary. Education seems to be down a little bit. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. But when you get down to the College of Agriculture, things change. At the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, it looks like things are Humming along pretty good, Pam. Yeah, you know, and it's actually kind of a continuing story. You started it with uh, Dean Dale Gallenberg from UW-River Falls. One comment he made was that they continue to see strong interest in their pre-vet school. Well, guess what? School of Veterinary Medicine in Madison is the same situation. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison got a chance to talk about it with Dr. Mark Markell. He is the dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. Not only are they undergoing a major renovation and remodel on that facility, they're also starting the class of 2026. And while you think, well, they're expanding, they're remodeling, that means more students will be available to enter the college. In reality, that's not the case. I talked to Dr. Markell and just asked him to explain what the class looks like and how they're planning for the future. We had the largest number of applicants to veterinary school ever this past year, which is around 1,900 applicants for 96 slots. 62 of those are residents of the state of Wisconsin. The other 34 are non-residents from some other state. Mm -hmm. And so very competitive. Um, As you know, I'm the past president of what's called the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges, which is all the veterinary medical schools in the world that are accredited. And it has been a dramatic increase in the number of people that want to go to veterinary school over the last three years, almost 20, 22% more applicants than we had even three years ago. You know, that's some crazy numbers, statistically speaking. So how do you guys vet 
1900 down to 96. It can't all be academics. What other elements enter in to that selection process, Mark? So we have what we call a holistic admissions policy, and we train our admissions committee led by our folks in the Office of Academic Affairs Mm -hmm. on what is the appropriate way to be able to judge people. So certainly there are academic criteria that we look at initially, but what we really are focused on after we get past these basic academic credentials that mean that you're going to be successful when Mm -hmm. you're here is looking at a, a diversity of backgrounds and talents. So it could be socioeconomic could be rural versus urban. Mm-hmm. It could be large animal versus small animal. It could be whether you have a research interest versus a clinical interest in companion animals or food mm-hmm. animals or horses, et cetera. And so we really try to pull that whole component in, really focused on trying to create a diverse class of diverse backgrounds, um, not only gender diversity, which as you know, and we've talked about nationally, it's about 85% women. Wow. So really trying to help in that process by having certainly we'll never get down to a 50 50 mix but certainly try not to have us be a hundred percent one gender versus another the same as far as socioeconomic backgrounds mm-hmm. first generation students mm-hmm. as well as um uh, racial and cultural mm-hmm. diversity as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now uh, that being said tell me a little bit more about these students you mentioned rural versus urban large animal versus small animal how healthy are those balances, Mark? We're probably better than almost any veterinary school in the country. We really focus on trying to find students with large animal interest, depending on the class. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you mm-hmm. can't ever guarantee what somebody's going to decide oh, to do sure. in the end. But mm-hmm. as far as on the admission side, somewhere between 20 and sometimes 25% of our incoming class expresses interest in either large or mixed mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Nationally, that number is more like 5%. So we do much better there. There are some significant issues facing the equine practitioner world, and the American Association of Equine Practitioners is looking at that because those students, when they graduate, are starting at about 20 to 25% lower salary than the students that are interested in companion animal, and they're also working much harder and longer. So the whole equine industry is really trying to focus on how do we attract people to not only come into equine practice, but stay there after you're in it. Well, you know, that's any veterinarian, even small animals, going to struggle to pay off those loans when they first get started. And when we talk about rural, especially Wisconsin, you have really tried very hard to make sure that this school is giving back to the state of Wisconsin, serving the state of Wisconsin. How are we doing there? So we're doing really well on that front. Um, It it varies a little bit year over year, but about um, 55% of all of our students stay in the state to practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a mix, as we talked about earlier, of about 62 or two-thirds of the class is residents of the state. About 70% of them stay in the state. Mm -hmm. And those that don't, often they go to the Chicago area. So they're not far away, but they're not officially in Wisconsin. And then of our in-state students, excuse me, our out-of-state students, Fewer of them obviously stay in the state because they came from some other state, but some of them stay as well. So overall, it's about a little over half of our graduates stay in the state in practice. Hey, we've been trying to raise awareness on uh, different programs to try to help students pay off those expensive loans to become a veterinarian if they'll promise to stay in Wisconsin. Are these programs, from what you're hearing, Dean Markell, are they working? So there is a program that's a loan forgiveness program that is federally created. Um, the state veterinarian decides which counties in the state of Wisconsin mm-hmm. 
typically it's around five, Mm -hmm. um, that are underserved as far as veterinarians. And if somebody decides to go practice there, they'll then have a portion of their loans forgiven during the years that they're in practice there. So that's been relatively successful. It's still, you know, the average student here probably graduates with around $130,000 worth of debt, which is lower than the national average, which is $185,000 worth of Mm -hmm. debt. But it will allow them to forgive a a portion of that, but not all of it, unfortunately. So we still need to keep focusing on that issue for sure. You know, you mentioned about the challenges that those equine practitioners walk into. What about other large animal? And forgive me, Dean Markell, but you know, this is the farm show and we are kind of thinking about our bovine, our beef cattle, things like that. What about those folks? We had discussed before the isolation factors, a young person that goes into a rural community that not don't have a lot of family around. Tell me about how those are all playing in here. So interestingly, uh, those that go into dairy practice do incredibly well because they're trained by, you know, our dairy practitioners, which are considered the best in the world. Mm-hmm. They, they have a, a program called the Dairyland Initiative, which we've mm-hmm. talked about in the past, which really serves dairy producers, the actual farmers, mm-hmm. um, veterinarians that work in those practices, as well, as well as contractors and builders who are building these facilities, obviously often dependent on milk prices and or mm-hmm. feed prices. Mm-hmm. But um, our students who graduate and go into dairy practice do equivalently well to those that go into companion practice as far as salaries. They're obviously managing incredibly large dairies. Um, Often some of those dairies are so large they might have a single veterinarian that is managing the whole dairy. So they do well. It's more that mixed practitioner, um, small ruminant, you know, maybe beef to some extent, uh, which isn't a huge industry here like swine isn't, but certainly important. Uh, They probably are more challenged, um, but it's, the one that's been called out the most is the equine side, primarily because, well, for a number of different reasons, but since the Great Recession in the early 2010s, yep. the current thought is there's half as many horses as there were in 2010 as there are today in the United States. So that mm. is a challenge as, as far as trying to support yeah, you know, those practitioners that are taking care of those animals. Well, let's uh, focus on today going forward. Fantastic expansion that's currently underway for the school. Congratulations on that. But it is going to make it a little tricky for new students that may not be familiar with the campus. A lot of construction underway. But tell me what you hope those students see when they come through all the dust. So there's no dust in the building, (laughs) Pam. There might be dust outside. But um, what they see, I hope, is this three-story building with a four-story for mechanical actively being constructed and i'm welcoming the class of 2026 in about a week and a half Mm -hmm. and in two years they're going to be in all these spaces and so really it's meant you know what i try to have them focus on is not so much what is the negative impact of me trying to get here (laughs) you know whether get to the parking ramp or get to the building over the next year but our plan is as um christy highlighted earlier is that they're going to be in the in the new building next fall a year from now and we'll have completely remodeled this building and created a new large animal arena mm-hmm. by the following year. So literally anybody in the first two years of classes will be able to enjoy those spaces. And again, that's uh, Dr. Mark Markle, Dean of the UW-Madison School of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, really a top-notch school and getting better with that new construction and all the folks that are teaching the new students. What's going on with the markets? Let's talk to Rocky next, shall we? 
the first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's get over to the voice of Premier Livestock in Withy, and uh, that's Rocky Olson. Good morning, Rocky. Good morning. Uh, pretty nice weather to go out and look at cattle, isn't it? Yeah. No, like I said, you can definitely feel a little fall flavor in the air. Boy, that is for sure. I was out last evening, and uh, you could tell the breeze is uh, changing just a little bit, but still, boy, we got beautiful weather through probably oh, yeah. middle at least of next week. Well, how the market's going? It's Wednesday already. What's been happening over at Premier? Thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is how the week is shaping up so far here at Premier Livestock. Uh, fed cattle are trading a little bit lower. I'd say about two to three dollars lower. Uh, high choice and prime Holstein steers one thirty to one forty. Selects one twenty three to one twenty nine. Choice beef steers and heifers one thirty two to one forty four. Uh, market cows about the same deal, just a little lower this week. Two to three dollars lower. High yielding cows from eighty to ninety seven. Uh, most cows sixty seven to seventy nine. Market bulls high yielding from ninety five to 117, lower yielding 94 and down. Newborn Holstein bull calves, they stayed relatively steady this week, uh, mostly from 75 to 155 per head. Beef calves, 125 to 380. Uh, today at 930, we have our hay auction, and then we get on to the dairy cattle auction. Nice lineup of dairy cattle. That starts at 11 o'clock a.m. Auction features a 70-cow Holstein parlor freestall herd. Uh, they're averaging in the 70s, and they all will all be bred Angus. We have several loads of young fancy parlor freestall cows. Uh, we got a nice selection of colored cows today, and including two groups of registered jerseys. Uh, those jerseys coming from a couple of our top consigners. Uh, very, very fancy cows, and we do have pictures of those online. We also have some groups of linebacks. Uh, we have some hard-to-find pro cross, and even have a few Normandies. Uh, like I said, then we have some very nice groups of spring and heifers today that are Holsteins as well. Uh, like I said, that gets underway today at 11 o'clock a.m. Can't make the sale. Don't forget, we got online bidding through Cattle USA. And next week, Tuesday. Now, that's going to be a special feeder cattle auction. We will be closed Monday, uh, and we will be open starting at 2 p.m. to receive your cattle for the Tuesday sale. So bring your cattle and your feeder cattle can come in Tuesday. Uh, we feed and water them all overnight at no charge. Check it out on our website at premierlivestockandauctions.com, and that's the way it's shaped up, Bob. So once Kenny got another horse sale, he's got to be getting, he wants horses in there a little bit once in a while, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, uh, we're just playing around with our next machinery date and had a few conflicts there, like always, but end of October, 1st okay. of November for machinery and horses, so just watch the website. All right, we'll be doing that. Hey, we'll talk to you in the morning. Have a good one, Rocky. Thank you. There he goes. That's Rocky Olson over there at Premier Livestock in the Withy area. Well, let's find out. we got a lot of hay down around the country if you've been driving around like I was yesterday. And uh, I don't think it's a bad decision. Let's find out. Get over to Mike Dandry over at Skywarn 13. Chippewa Valley Bean bringing us our weather forecast. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. And uh, I have to agree with you. I don't think it's a very bad idea to uh, lay that hay right now. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of her down, too. And uh, mm -hmm. what it looks like maybe a little glitch friday sometime little shower and that's uh that's about it really as uh today it's mostly sunny it's going to look a lot like yesterday just without the winds and that'll allow us to warm up a little bit more so low 80s will be our high today but clear tonight upper 50s low 60s again and then tomorrow we'll start to see winds pick up a little bit out of the south and that'll usher in a little bit more heat we'll still have the sunshine and get into the mid 80s but once we see that humidity start to rise tomorrow night's going to be a little warmer mostly clear in mid 60s for our lows and then friday starting
starting off sunny, but we may have just that glitch in the system, as you said, with a little bit of rain, uh, possibly a rumble or two of thunder into the afternoon, but it's not going to be a widespread rainfall event. And our high is actually getting into the mid to even upper 80s, and we'll have a good bit of humidity to work with. But going into Friday night, a cold front works its way through, and that'll bring us back down to the upper 50s for our lows and cool us off quite a bit to start Labor Day weekend. And really for uh, Saturday through Monday, we'll have highs in the mid to upper 70s with abundant sunshine. And then Tuesday, we start to warm it back up again, low 80s with some humidity making a return. But still looking at that sunshine, so we really have a dry stretch of weather. Right now, we have uh, mainly clear conditions and a temperature in Eau Claire of 58 degrees. Breeze. Yesterday was kind of windy in... More than breezy, it was windy. What about that going forward? Well, uh, not really going to have too many days like that, but I guess, you know, my, my definition of breezy is still I need to get rid of the North Dakota. You know, when I uh, worked there, mm-hmm. breezy was, you know, 30-mile-per-hour <laughs> winds. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. So, uh, so yeah, I probably need to change my wording a little bit, but, you know, there's still the, the little uh, growing pains, if you will. All right. Well, it uh, looks like an awful nice Labor Day weekend. Absolutely, Bob. You have yourself a great day and enjoy it, all right? We will. Thank you, Michael. Mike Dandry over there at uh, Skywarn 13. Our weather brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Chippewa Valley Bean, the world's largest kidney bean processor, based right here in Menominee, Wisconsin, wishes all the great Wisconsin farmers a productive and successful end to our 2022 growing season. With harvest just around the corner, it's the perfect time to be looking ahead to next year's rotation, which could include kidney beans. Kidney beans are competitively priced and highly profitable, making them a great addition to your rotation. Call Ben at 715-664-8342 or visit them at cvbean.com to see if growing kidney beans is right for you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's find out what else is going on. Morgan McCarthy is in the newsroom this morning. Good morning, Morgan. You got big plans for Labor Day? The kid going to be done playing ball or running track so he can relax? Never. I am. In fact, I think I have a whole gaggle of girls coming over for a sleepover this oh, weekend. So that ought to be fun. Yeah, I better get the uh, pizza oven fired up, right? <laughs> They're going to want to eat. I was at my... Uh, 61st grade school class reunion and some of the kids i call them my kids right brought in uh photo out al- old photo album oh sure and they had photo albums of uh one girl had pictures of our, our first slumber party oh do they call they don't call them slumber parties anymore they call them sleepovers huh? right right but they had pictures of that and uh I was looking at all those, and uh, boy, that's uh, they still do that. They might under a different name, but it still happens. I can tell you, though, there's still plenty of party into the wee hours, <laughs> and uh, the adults usually don't get much sleep those nights either. Right? Well, look forward to that. What's going on? We're going to start with headlines that uh, take us to Mustang Country. Good morning. Here's what we're learning today: a little bit of a dust up in Menominee, and those details now coming a little bit clearer in the light of day with 715 Newsroom coverage. John DeMaster tells us more about police in Menominee saying last night's standoff started over a warrant. Officers were finally able to talk Michael Polson out of his home in Menominee last night. The Eau Claire Regional SWAT team tried to serve a warrant for his arrest before the standoff began. Nobody was hurt during the standoff or during his arrest. 
I'm John DeMaster. Well, when it comes to that student loan debt cancellation program, there are still more question marks than anything, and it could actually cost you even if those loans are canceled. Wisconsin is one of 13 states that will tax the cancellation. So what that looks like is the Tax Foundation saying anybody who sees $10,000 of student loans erased will still owe about $530 in state taxes, something lawmakers could adjust in the law, but they're not expected to. Looking into other headlines that involves investment, the state of Wisconsin has $90 million earmarked for K-12 education. Today, Governor Tony Evers announced that $15 million investment for the Get Kids Ahead initiative. $75 million, that would be to help fix the state's teacher shortage and equates to over $91 per student. Evers saying the money comes from the American Rescue Plan. Get ready to jump around. I know Bob probably has plans to go see Bucky play, and maybe you'll even end up in that fancy new upgraded area. The university gave early tours and peaks to the south end zone yesterday. Upgrades include seats instead of bleachers, some of those huge open spaces to watch the game, even fireplaces. Yeah. The University of Wisconsin spent overall about $70 million on that new end zone. Fans get their first peak when they get ready to jump around and cheer uh, the Big Red on again. Football season for Bucky starts this Saturday. And we're going to take it into Tennessee. If you are a Dolly Parton fan, you can let everybody know about it. Tennessee drivers can now order a Dolly Parton license plate. It's Drive with Dolly plate in support of country music and her imagination library. And away from the uh, traffic jam and back to the bar, and we send it with Bob Jill and the Midwest Farm Show on Wax 104.5. No, it's a Saturday night game, so I told my kid, you go. <laughs> oh yeah, that's for the youth. That yeah, for sure. They're, they start tailgating early and often, and by uh, the, the by the time kickoff hits, they're perennial prime. Yeah, and you know those uh, that end zone, and I don't know what they're going to do because it was always fun to get on there one game, and they had band day, mm-hmm. and high school bands from all over the state came, and they filled up. Well, I used to. I don't know if they still do, but that whole end zone by the field house yep. there. So I don't know what they're going to do with band day anymore. We're going to put the bands because. They lost. I read an article in the paper down in Madison, that new arrangement where they got fireplaces and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, it cost them about 5,000 seats. Yeah, that's quite a lot of seating that they're losing there. So you can imagine what kind of uh, cost it's going to be to get a seat with the fireplace or whatever to make. They're going to make up the revenue somewhere. They're not going to throw out 5,000 seats of revenue. Well, you and I both know that uh, college kids at a game can fit quite a few people into one small area <laughs> pretty comfortably. Well, it's going to be a completely on the other side of the stadium from where the students are, so this isn't going to be... Do you have student. a first game in the books yet? What's that? Do you have a first game in the books that you're going to yet? I'll probably go next week, I think, Washington State. They've got three home games in a row, but... Uh, yeah. I'd like to see them in daylight rather well, there than you, darkness. <laughs> then report back on what happens. If I see you with your feet kicked up in front of the fireplace, that is a new way to watch football for sure. It would be for me, that's for sure. All right, Morgan, thank you. Anytime, Bob. All right, Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom this morning. As we're 18 minutes already before 6 o'clock, we've got more farm news to take a look at. And the markets as we continue on wax. Brought to you by Christensen Sales. Auction schedules online at ChristensenSales.com. 
On Saturday, September 10th at noon, Christensen Sales will handle the personal property and real estate auction for the Rudy Yeager Estate. And you go out of Gilman on 73 to Babbitt Avenue, then a quarter mile east. At location number one, it'll be buildings and 80 acres of land offered in parcels. Location number two on Badger Lane in the Gilman area, also offered in parcels. You can get a look at open house on Saturday, August 27th from 1030 until noon. That's for the Rudy Yeager Estate Sale in the Gilman area. Saturday, September 10th at noon from Christensen Sales of Abbotsford. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 58 degrees, looking for 85 and sun today. Should be a nice day. We've got more farm news to take a look at. Markets this morning, uh, we'll get to Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Stratford Sale Barn. That'll be about our only market this morning as uh, Jim Lindsay over at Altoona didn't update the market. So we don't have a report on the Tuesday sale over there at Altoona. But before we do any of that, Jill, what else is going on? The inflation index softened some in July across the country for many goods and services, but not so much for food. The total rate of inflation last month dropped to 8.5%, down from just over 9% in June, as prices for fuel, clothing, used cars, and other goods and services fell. But the same can't be said for food prices, which went up almost 11% in July. Costing more last month were fruits and vegetables, all types of meats, including poultry and fish, dairy products, coffee, and other non-alcoholic beverages. For the year, food prices are expected to be up between 8.5% and 9.5%, with eggs going up about 25% because of the hangover from this past spring's outbreak of avian influenza. And uh, if you like to travel, as mentioned earlier, the annual Farm Progress Show going on in uh, Boone, Iowa, down near Des Moines. And that's, uh, well, started yesterday. It'll go today and tomorrow. It's uh, the big show, like our farm technology days. But uh, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack was there yesterday, and he gave a presentation, and then he answered questions. A lot of production concern questions over there, and Vilsack said, I'm not too worried about it. He said, we're going to have enough. He said, in fact, uh, next year, we're at even less, because a million acres of cropland will be coming out of CRP, or a million acres of land, I should say, coming out of CRP for the 2023 growing section, or growing season, rather. Still lots of questions he got about Ukraine and what's going on over there, and he said, oh, it's hard to tell because uh, some of that farmland, Ukrainian farmers don't control anymore. Russia has stepped up, but where they are farming, they're reportedly having some uh, good crops. And he also talked about the the Climate Smart Program, carbon sequestering and uh, things like that. But again, if you're looking to take a drive, uh, if you want to go to go to Iowa, look at their crops, which uh, look pretty good. But as we heard earlier from Jill in that crop progress report from uh, Pro Farmers Crop Tour, 198 bushels an acre. Nobody, they say, is going to have 200 bushels. So it'll be interesting when the September report comes out from the USDA, which is also based not as much as the Pro Farmer Crop Tour on crop scouting, but it is based some on crop scouting, what their numbers will be. Because I'll tell you, USDA, 177 bushels an acre in their August report. This Pro Farmer Crop Tour, which was actually boots on the ground through those cornfields, 
168 bushels an acre. Nine bushels an acre is a big discrepancy, so that September report will be very, very interesting. And uh, we've got some markets to get to, and we've also got a few things going on in the calendar. We'll check uh, all those things here in a moment. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. There are some things going on. Labor Day weekend. It should be nice weather-wise. Jill, what are some of the important things we got to know? Well, if you're looking for something to do tonight, you can go to a twilight meeting in Clark County at the uh, Jake and Talia Pising Farm in Dorchester. And that is farm tour starting at 6 o'clock with ice cream at 7. Now, that's talking about the, the issues in agriculture. If you want to talk about it with fellow farmers and all those things, that's uh, kind of an issues event. Yep. And there's the Willow Springs tractor pull. That's Sunday and Monday, the 4th and the 5th. There's also Labor Fest. Monday, September 5th, celebrate Labor Day at Phoenix Park. So, uh, the walk starts at 1030 with a rally at 1145. We've got the Ridgeland Community Fair. That starts on Friday and runs all the way through Monday and Labor Day. And if you have a young farmer in your life and you they are you can nominate them for the young farmer award that is actually due tomorrow september 1st and if they move on they will be recognized january 27th through the 29th in manitowoc the minnesota state fair is still going on now through labor day and those colored shavings the wisconsin our world dairy expo entries are open with that deadline on september 5th at midnight all right, so lots of things going on and uh, lots of labor. We'll get an update on that uh, Willow Springs poll. Jerry's next. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it is time to check some of the markets from the sale barns. As we mentioned, uh, Jim got so busy, he forgot to send us the report on yesterday's sale at Altoona. But Mr. Fitzgerald is always with us from the Stratford sale barn and You'll be at that Willow Springs pullover by uh, Wausau this weekend, at least for one day, huh? Well, good morning to you, Bob. Well, that's the plan, yep. Uh, supposedly, they're, well, depending upon the weather, but it, does, it sounds real good. So, yeah, uh, see, Sunday is the 4th. That one, uh, they, uh, they've informed me they want to get started a little bit earlier on that one. Uh, so uh, uh, if you folks are coming over with the antique tractors, that'll be the old antique tractors, uh, they do want to get started around 10 o'clock on Oh, boy. On morning, so uh, I know they had originally scheduled around 11, but uh, uh, they want to get started a little earlier, so just a heads up to you folks that are listening for that. And then, of course, Monday, there will be the big one with all the big tractors and the trucks, etc. That will be 11 o'clock start time. So that's uh, the latest updates on that. And all right. We're going to have to go to early mass on Sunday. Well, or twice on Saturday. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a possibility, too. Well, how the sale barn activity been going so far with Stratford this week? All right, Bob, thank you, and good morning to everyone. A summary from uh, yesterday, Tuesday, here at Equity Stratford. And we'll start out with the organic market, that we sell organic cattle every Tuesday. Organic market, very strong yesterday on the cows. High-yielding certified organic cows are selling from $1.20 all the way up to 145 on yesterday's sale. A lower-quality uh, organic cows, lesser yielders, uh, 115 and below. And now the uh, traditional, conventional market cows, obviously not quite that high, but on the uh, cow market yesterday, high-yielding 
fleshy cows are selling mostly from 84 to 94. Uh, the bulk of the cows this week so far are selling between 62 and 84. Thinner cows below 62. On the bull trade, uh, better quality bulls mostly from 90 to 105 and lighter bulls below 90. And we'll have an update on fed cattle tomorrow's report. We saw most of those. Uh, fed cattle will be this morning. But anyway, we want to recap the calf market so far this week. Better quality bull, uh, bull calves selling mostly from 75 to 140. We did see a top at 150. Uh, heifer calves mostly 25 to 50, a few up to 65 on Monday. Beef calves, good demand on those beef calves continues, 150 to 300, and we've seen those up to 365. And as I mentioned, our Wednesday auction getting away, uh, getting underway right away this morning here. We have full marketing day on, uh, on Wednesday, of course. Conventional market cows, as I mentioned, fed cattle, bulls, sheep, hog, and goats, baby calves, and then we'll get to the feeder sale at noon. And uh, we do have a lot of lighter weight Holstein feeder steers uh, consigned for that feeder sale today. So if you folks are looking for some, some lighter weight Holsteins, we've got a lot of those today, along with the beef cattle that will be at noontime start here at, on the feeder sale. And our auction tomorrow does start at 11, full marketing day. Also tomorrow with market cattle and calves. And do keep in mind, on Monday Labor Day, Equity Stratford Market will be closed. No auction on Monday. So, Bob, I guess uh, talking about the weather, we can't really... Uh, Markets are pretty steady and decent, but, boy, the weather really sounds good, doesn't it? I was going to say, what do you got to complain about? People don't have anything to complain about the weather, so what the conversation going to be at the coffee shop, huh? Uh, well, we won't get to the baseball game last night, so I <laughs> guess we put a damper on everything already. Yeah, that is for sure. Hey, have a good one, Jerry. We'll talk to you in the morning. You guys, too. Thank you much. There you go. Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Sale Barn. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, let's get at the rest of our markets. Brought to you by Synergy Co-op in Ridgeland. As we look at the uh, Board of Trade first, uh, down yesterday with some recession fears and China's weakening economy. And overnight, a little bit lower yet, December corn down 3 to 4 cents overnight, 6.73. The oats down 3 to 4, 3.94. The December wheat Sitting at 8.21 a bushel this morning. November beans down 7. 14.25. Meal down 3.20 a ton at $426.60. Country elevator prices. Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls and Connorsville location. Corn's at 6.69 with soybeans at 14.62. Doomer's grain of Holman. Corn's at 6.67 with soybeans at 15.01. On our DTN screen, corn at Golden Plump, 6.86 a bushel. At Baldwin, 664 and 1446. Duran and Mondovi both have corn at 658. Soybeans at 1442. In the Elmwood area, that elevator has corn at 664. Beans, 1442. Fall Creek, 644 and 1427. Osseo, 669 and 1446. At Elk Mound, the corn is 679 today. The beans, 1452. Sparta, 649 on the corn, 1416 on the beans. Ellsworth, 644 in the corn, 1427 for soybeans. Ethanol plants, Boyceville corn, 678. Stanley, 679. And at New Richmond, 674. Barrel cheese down a penny to $1.85. The blocks up three and a half, $1.75. Butter down three and a quarter at 305. Class three futures, August down a penny at 2012. September down a dime at 1979. October up, or excuse me, down 31 at 2010. November at $21 even. That's down 17 cents. December at 21.16, also down 17 cents. Prices are lower out through next summer.
And sunshine today, about 85. Sunshine tomorrow, about 87. Uh, looks like pretty good weather right on through Labor Day weekend. 58 degrees right now. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.